0: this is david dearman i'm the pastor at memphis tabernacle and this is our podcast i wanted to thank you for joining us today i hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith i hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see god move in your life enjoy the message a couple things that we're doing to start our new year in fact could everybody take your bookmark that you were handed on your way in and if you didn't get a bookmark would you just lift your hand and somebody will hand you one right now because I want everybody to have one a bookmark it's a 20 right up here um, a 2021 bookmark it actually is for the month of January February and March so today is January the 3rd so look under January the 3rd and what is our reading today Luke chapter 3, okay, so Luke chapter 3 is what we should be reading today, and then what's our Old Testament is Genesis chapter 4 and 5. This is a one-year Bible reading bookmark. In other words, if you'll go through, uh, this is the first quarter, if you'll go through all four of these, you'll be able to read the whole Bible in a year. And I'm telling you, I've been able to read the Bible multiple times every year just reading through the whole Bible And, uh, some of you say, why do I want to read the whole Bible? Well, you get God's word inside of your heart. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will remind you things that, that, uh, that were spoken to you, that Jesus spoke to you. So if you don't get things in your heart, if you don't get God's word in your heart, then he can't remind you. You haven't been minded so that you can't be reminded, right? So you get it inside of your heart and, uh, it's important to get the word of God. Now, uh, Luke chapter 3, if you aren't reading the Bible consistently, let me encourage you, let's get some base hits before we get home runs, okay? I know sometimes people are jumping there, and oh, I'm going to read the whole book of, of every day and I'm going to read all, no, why don't you just start with the New Testament and just read a chapter a day, just read a chapter a day, in, uh, in in and start with the New Testament okay so right now today uh, if you haven't read this, read Luke chapter 3 now I know that there's others who say I have my own Bible reading plan I don't really want to do this Bible reading plan um, and usually my first question is how is that working out for you? How are you doing your own Bible Well when I do it it's working out good Well we want to be consistent with it and so, What I'm asking you to do is jump in with us. If you're a part of Memphis Tabernacle, jump in with us and let's read the Bible together. Why? Because it creates a point of fellowship together. I know that uh, the first thing my family does when we wake up in the morning is we break out our Bibles. We sit down, we grab a cup of coffee or grab whatever we do, and we read our Bibles. Tiffany does. I do. My boys do. We all just are around the house. We read our Bibles. If someone wants to talk about the day or conversation, we say, leave me alone. Um, read my Bible unless you have to leave or it's kind of last minute. You can text me, but I'm, I'm with God right now. I want to hear... I want to take the very first part. Why? Because when you put God first, then uh, then your life becomes an option, not God becomes an option. Usually, if you don't put God in first, you never get God back in during the day. And so uh, one of the things, though, by reading the Bible together is it allows you to have a point of fellowship together. So like Tiffany at least a couple of times a week, she'll come to me or I'll come to her and say, did you do today's reading yet? And she'll, you know, we'll say, yeah, and say, here's what I got out of it. And she'll share with me something. I say, I was just reading that while wow, I hadn't, I think she, just yesterday she came and said, hey, there was something. And I said, I hadn't seen that before. That was, man, that's powerful. Tiffany, I went back and looked at it. It causes a point of fellowship. I know that uh, every week, uh, I have three boys, teenage boys, and every week I take Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, and, and I have an appointment with them every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, early in the morning uh, before they want to get up, and, uh, and we read, they'll read the Bible, and, um, and we'll read the Bible, and then we'll both, we'll have an appointment, like a half-hour appointment, and uh, they share with me what they got out of the Word. I share with them what they got out of the Word, and, um, and then I ask, hey, is there something I can pray for you about? How, what are you going through? What are things in your life that the Lord's, it's, a, it's able to create a point of fellowship. We do that every week. Uh, and uh, And it just creates a point of fellowship. If you're not intentional about it, it won't happen. And so it just creates a point of fellowship with me and my kids that we're able to sit down and I know where they are. It's a way that I can lean into their lives and through the word of God and disciple them on a a personal basis it's just a good way if you want to disciple someone sit down and take a chapter of the bible and go through this together get them on a reading plan together also right at the top under one year bible reading plan it says soap s-o-a-p scripture observation application and prayer uh some people say, i don't really journal start journaling let me i didn't used to journal either but there's something powerful about journaling. It's the best way that I know to, to start cultivating a life where you hear from God is to journal. Why? Because there's something about writing out Scripture and what God's saying and your interpretation of it that's catching. And you say, well, I don't really do it through writing. Well, how was the whole Bible written? The whole Bible was, the Bible says, was holy men of God who were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And what did they do? They didn't talk. They wrote. They wrote out the Bible, and as they wrote, they were inspired. Now, you're not going to write a portion of the Word of God and say, hey, I got a new book. No, no, it's not. The the written Word of God is already inspired and is already set there. But you can write out things for your own life. You'll have journals and things that the Lord's spoken to you in your own life that God will speak to you. And I know that I've, I've talked to many people who've said, I can't hear from God. How do I hear from God? And I've just coached them through this and said, start taking this chapter a day and start writing down and doing this soap. What is soap? Out of your chapter, you find one verse. Say one verse. One verse. Why? Because something I've noticed about the devil is if he can't hold you back, he'll push you forward. If he can't make you like like you you can't press into the things of the Lord, he'll take your pressing into the things of the Lord and try to press you like you need to do all this stuff and strap all this stuff on you to where now you feel like you're not doing enough for God. Let me just tell you, it's more about consistency, little steps, seeds in your life on a consistent and regular basis to be discipled in the Word of God. So take one verse out of your reading for that day, write it at the top. Just I always write scripture, and I just write it right at the top, and I say, here's my scripture for the day. Observation, what is that? It's what you, how you would interpret. In other words, if you wrote a translation of the Bible, how would you translate that verse, right? I, this is what God's saying through this verse. Application is how it applies to me in my own life. This is how it translates to where I'm living today here, where the rubber meets the road, where the stuff hits the fan, where my life lives today. This is how this verse applies to me today. And then the prayer is what I'm going to do about it. This is my decision of what I'm going to do about it. Listen, we as Christians and believers do not need more information We need revelation. It's not about how much we know. There are believers that go, I already know that. Do you know God doesn't care how much you know? He cares how much you apply. That's why the Bible says, be doers of the word and not knowers or hearers only, deceiving yourselves. It's not about knowing more of the Bible. It's about applying more of the Bible. That's why soap is a powerful thing. Anytime I come up to to teach or to give a lesson, or you hear teachers, or you might teach other people, there's always this. There's always, what's the point? Like, what's the, what's the point, okay? What's the, uh, the explanation of it? And you take the Word of God as the point, and you say, what's the explanation? What's the application? How does it apply to your life? And then what's the illustration? How do I apply that in my life? And that's how you kind of make points through the thing, is you were able to say, here's the Scripture Here's the, how, here's the explanation, here's the application, and here's the illustration, okay? And you'll hear me, a lot of times I'll give a point or two points or three points or four points. It's usually in that process. Here's the word of God, here's what it means, here's the application, here's the illustration in life. Do you know that's the same thing we do in this is we say, here's the scripture, here's the observation, here's how I'm interpreting it, here's how it applies to my life, and here's my prayer. Here's my illustration of how God's going to take something Um, God's going to add something to my life or take something away in some way that they're going to adjust so that I can become more like Jesus, okay? So that's what daily reading is. Would you commit with me to read your Bible uh, as best as you can, as best as you can? How many would just say, I'm gonna commit the month of January to try to read my Bible every day, come on. Okay, now listen, let me tell you one more tip. Someone says, I don't get anything out of it. I read and I don't get anything out of it. And I'll always say this, read slower. Read slower. Read slower. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that the, the word of God is living and powerful. In other words, it's like a microorganism. Have you ever seen a picture, and it's kind of gross, where they take, they take uh, like, like you'll go and you'll scrape something off of a, you know, off of some, I don't want to freak anybody out by anyone in here, but you go outside and you scrape something off, your kids are in the back seat and you scrape something off the seat and you put it underneath a microscope and you look at it and you see things that are like crawling and moving and you're like, oh my gosh, that's so gross, they're nasty, go take a shower and you want to wipe everything down, you're like freaking out, why? Because so much of life is living organisms, like they say, how much of dust is really skin cells, it's like 90% of dust is skin cells, and you're like, I just want to throw up. Gross, right? But the thing is, is life, there's a lot of life that's living. Listen, the word of God is living. You'd never take a living organism, put it under a microscope, and move the microscope. Right? You have to focus in the microscope or dial it in to look at it. And when you look in on it, you see that there's living organisms that are moving around. That's how the word of God is. You have to take it and, 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 and focus in on it. Don't just read and get a bunch of mass info in your, get it and read it, read it slower. That means that if you get in there and you're like, I'm getting so much out of this chapter, I don't know if I can get to the other two chapters. I believe God would rather you get all that you're gonna get out of the chapter you're in than to try to read four other chapters and check off your checklist. It would be better if you got into one or two verses, three or four verses, and really caught what the Lord's saying out of those than to try to read everything in there to get it all in. Listen, God can speak to you out of one verse. One verse. So let me encourage you. Number one, make sure to get the word of God in you and do this SOAP method. Start journaling. Start writing things down. And start sharing them. If you really want to have it dynamic, Start sharing them, not static, but dynamic. Start sharing what you're catching from other people. They become your mini sermons, so to speak, okay? The second thing that we always do is every um, January and every August, it's the start of two different seasons of life. One is kind of a back to school, back starting fall. One is the start of the year. We do 21 days of prayer and fasting. Actually, 21 days of prayer and fasting in January Twenty-one days of prayer and feasting in August. I'm kidding. No, uh, but not, not fasting. But we do fast every January. What is fasting? Fasting is um, is it, in short is basically refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. It's holding back food from your life for a spiritual purpose. Some people will do a Daniel fast. A lot of people do a Daniel fast. They'll fast sugar. They'll fast meats. They'll fast, and they'll go with whole foods and grains and things like that. And, uh, but fast something. For some of you, I know that a number of people, they fast social media. They'll just fast Facebook or fast some people. One, one lady, she, I remember in church, she said she had 14 Facebook accounts. 14 Facebook accounts. She was literally bound. To social media, and then she said the deliverance that came off of her life just by fasting. That some people need to take the next three weeks and just fast social media or fast something in your life. How do you know what to fast? Ask the Lord. What is it that you delight in? Is it that bowl of ice cream at night that you just go? That's what gets me through that bowl of ice cream. Is it? Is it? You know? uh, Is it sugar? Is it? You know? Whatever it is that you know, those French fries, whatever it is, fast. Take a commitment and fast. Ask the Lord what to do and fast those things. There's a resource that we sent out. Um, Jensen Franklin wrote an awesome book on fasting some years ago, and uh, and this is kind of a summation of those things. We sent it out in the last email. We'll send it out again, just a guide for you to fast, how to fast, what to fast, how to start a fast, and some different ways that you can do that. Um, and then also, prayer book, where we sent you a prayer book resource on how to pray, what to pray. Uh, we also sent a, a kids' prayer resource of how to get them started in prayer. But let me give you uh, two tips on this when you do want to hear from God at the first 21 days. Number one, expect something, expect to receive something. If you've been praying for an unsaved loved one, expect that God's going to get have a breakthrough. If there's a sickness that's been happening, expect that you're going to get breakthrough. If there's a financial thing, something with your job, something with your memory, something with your your future, that you're wondering, I don't know what to do. I keep hitting a wall. In these next 21 days, write down and say, God, I want a breakthrough in these next 21 days, and let's believe God. Would you do it with me? I mean, really. The the Bible says, just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. What does that mean? It means you can say you have faith, but if there's nothing living in that faith, if there's no expectation in that faith, then then we can. Then it's really not faith. It's just something that we throw it out there. Let's believe that in the next three weeks that God is going to do something and speak something. And number two, write your testimonies. Write out your testimonies. Write out your answered prayers uh, in that. We're going to send you out some links also to have daily prayer. There's a church called Church of the Highlands down in... Um, in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, that has daily morning prayer. We're going to send you out some links to do some daily morning prayer. We're also going to have Wednesday night prayer uh, this Wednesday. Make sure to come out. Do everything you t- can do to get your minds in here on, on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. And let's pray together, love God together, seek God together, and let's believe that God's going to do something. Somebody say amen. 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 So let's press in together. Also pray that God would send revival in this church Pray that God would send revival in this city. I know sometimes people say, I've been praying all my life for that. Well, pray again. Pray with fresh expectancy. Fasting makes you hungry with uh, things that would normally satisfy you so that you can press in and let God in his spirit fill those things up. Lord, we commit to fast. Do it with me over these next 21 days. Show us what to fast, how to fast, what to expect, and we press in together and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. By the way, we will not have donuts uh, the next couple of weeks. Oh, someone's... Seriously? I was fasting salad. No, no, you don't. you don't. No, no, no. Listen, make sure uh, that we're doing this together. We're going for it, okay? Hey, it's time to turn the page into a brand new year, and I want to share with you a key scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 8 today. Deuteronomy chapter 8 today. You ever been in a good book and you're waiting for what's the next page? And some people said, I I sat through and read that whole book in one sitting, right? And they go through. And other times there's so much junk happening in that book that you're like, I'm trying to turn the page to get this stupid story over with, right? Listen, it's time to turn the page into a brand new year. And Deuteronomy chapter 8, they just went through a wilderness, A difficult wilderness, more than a wilderness you and I have probably gone through. But Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2 and 3, I want you to look at that. And it says this, and you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years. This was a 40 year wilderness. Somebody just say, oh, come on. Yeah, 40 year wilderness. He says, I led you through this. Notice God led you through the wilderness. When Jesus got baptized, When Jesus got baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, where was the first place that that the Holy Spirit led Jesus into? The wilderness. The wilderness. God leads us into blessing. Yeah, he leads us into blessing through the wilderness. (laughs) He leads us into blessing through the wilderness. You have to go through the wilderness to get to the blessing. They had to. Jesus had to. That's how Jesus started his ministry. What a way to start the ministry. Hey, how's your ministry going? (laughs) It's a wilderness, man. You gotta go through the wilderness to get to the blessing. And you shall remember, he said, God led him these 40 years through the wilderness. Here's why. To humble you and test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Verse three, so he humbled you and allowed you to hunger And fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you to know. How many of you know if you don't make the decision, God can make you make the decision, right? That he might make you to know. That man shall not live, this was the point of the wilderness, that that he would make you to know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Lord, open our hearts to this word. We receive it today. Say this with me, apply the word of God to my heart today. Teach me your word today, Lord, in Jesus' name. So I'm going to very quickly share with you three points on the purpose of the wilderness. The purpose of the wilderness. Many of us have just come through a wilderness. Many of us are, are just coming through a wilderness. And here's the purpose of the wilderness. Number one is to humble you. Can you say to humble you? Yeah, the 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 word humiliate, <laughs> the word humble, is all kind of that same root word. It's to, to bring low. How do you humble a person? You take away their strength, you take away what they depend upon, you take away their defenses. You take away what they rely on. That's how you humble a person. When a person's, when someone says, I was humiliated, I was humbled, what happened? Man, I just walked out there and I had toilet paper hanging from the back of my, I was just so, well, that's just some little, I was humiliated, right? They were, they were embarrassed. It took away their, their position of strength, Right? in in their lives. Well, God said that the wilderness was first to humble you. Uh, in fact, in 2nd Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14, it says if my people who are called by my name will notice before prayer comes humility. It's not just about praying, it's about being humble. The reason why God wants to take you through the wilderness into victory is because he wants to first humble you to make you realize that it's not about you and who you are. You're the When you go into the military, What's the first thing they do? They take away all your clothes. They shave your head. Why? To humble you. Take away your identity. Take away your self-reliance. And they say, you're not in your mama's kitchen anymore. You're not in your mama's house anymore. Right? They humble you. They basically humiliate you to where you come down and you depend upon and you listen to their orders and you walk in in their way. When you're walking into the blessing of God, the first thing you have to realize is you're not in charge. (laughs) I don't like that. I, that doesn't make me feel really, you know, I don't feel really comfortable with that. <laughs> that's that, you're in the right place. That's the right place. That's called humility. That's called humble or be humbled. Humble yourself or be humbled, right? Because that's the reality. Humble yourself or be humbled. So he says uh, to humble you. You know when 911, when 9-11 hit our nation? Our, our nation became humble. The houses of worship opened up. People came into church. I remember the next Sunday, people came into church seeking God. Oh, God, we love you. Oh, God, we need you. I don't care about religion. I don't care about denomination. I don't care about our divide. God, I, I, you know why? Because they didn't know what the heck was going on in our world. They were humbled. Now we get to the place where we're, we're relying on ourselves again. We don't need God and all this. No, sometimes you got to hit the wall. Sometimes you got to go through the wilderness to be humbled. I remember, and this is one of the reasons I like sports. I remember when I was in wrestling in, uh, in high school, and, man, I, I remember winning a number, a series of matches. And, you know, I won a bunch of duels and matches and things, and I get into tournaments, and I won some tournaments. And I remember one day I felt like the man. I was like, hey, that's right. I won some tournaments. I won some. I remember one time I, I hurt my arm and actually dislocated my shoulder, and they wrapped up my shoulder like this, and I won a whole tournament with my arm like this. And I was like, that's right. I'm the man. I started feeling all. And then I remember getting into a match, and this boy came out, this big old dude came out, and, and he was like a skate placer in, in California, you know, like uh, one of the state finalists, and he gets out there and he whooped my tail. I mean, he took me down, he took me to my back, he let me up, cut me. They call it cut you. You know, he cut you, let me back up, took me back down, took care of me. And, I man, I was, I was embarrassed. I was humiliated. He took me apart. He humbled me. Do you think the next day I was talking about how good I was? I was talking about how good he was. Man, that dude was awesome. I, right? He humbled me. And I'll tell you, that's the way it is. That when we get, when the Lord wants to take you through something, he has to remind you it's not you that's going to make it happen. It's not your successes. It's not you being the man or being the woman that's going to make it happen. It's him. So the first thing is to humble you. Number two, he says that I might humble you to test you, to test you. Number two is to test you. The wilderness is here not to humble you only, but to test you. And what is he testing you? He wants to know what's inside your heart. Why do you do what you do? Why are you saying what you're saying? Why are you? Why do you uh, step out and do what you do? Do you do it to be seen by men? Do you do it to be pat on the back? Do you do it to feel confident in yourself? Do you do it just so that you can be successful in your life? What's really in your heart? Why are you doing what you're doing? What do you really depend upon? Because at the end of the day, if you take a rich man and he has plenty of money in his bank account and savings account and IRA account and all these things and he's set up for life and he really he can do whatever he wants to do and you took all that away, now what does he depend upon? Right? Or you take a person that's that's socially prosperous. They have a good family. They have good relationships. They have good friendships. They have esteem in the sight of people. And you took all their friends away. You took you stripped them of all that. Now what are they confident in? What's really in their heart? They took all those things away to test you, to humble you, and to test you. I remember we had a a, a couple friend of ours that are involved in in um, in serving in ministry. And, uh, and I remember the, the husband, he was in a, an, an accident and he became paralyzed from the, uh, from the neck down. He became paralyzed. He was in a wheelchair. Just a beautiful couple. Had kids. Things were just awesome in their lives. One of those people that you just never expect anything bad to happen. I remember she began to push him around in a wheelchair. Oh, I began to pray for her because I knew that it was difficult that her husband, you know, was paralyzed, and and it wasn't coming out of it, and it became month after month after month, and all I just felt for him, and he felt so bad because he couldn't work anymore, and now he was in this condition in this place, and they they had young kids that were in this, and all of a sudden, you know, she had to work more, and she got into a relationship in work, and she had an affair in work, and she left him, and she ended up uh, just saying, I, you know, I remember, you know, talking with her and she just said, I, you know, I, I don't know how I'm going to have to live the rest of my life this way. I mean, she, she can't meet any of my needs physically, can't meet any of my needs, you know, in my life anymore and I'm going through all this situation. What do I do? You know, I, you know, well, I'll tell you what that does. It's the ultimate test of a marriage. Because we can stand and say to have and to hold till death do us part, through the good times, through the bad times, and all those things. But what happens when those times really happen? It tests your vows. It tests what you really believe. And sad to say, she left him for someone else he was off on his own. There's a test that happens in our lives. We can say we love God. We can say that God is the only one we depend upon. But what about when you take away everything else? What do you really depend upon in your life. You know, I've mentioned and I said it a little bit earlier that we feel, uh, and I've, I've been raised just to feel very strongly about tithing in my life. And that God, uh, he, we don't only give God the first 10%, it's his. He said, will a man rob me? It's God's. And so, I, you know, I've said, and I've said publicly, I've said privately, just everything that I get. I mean, when I get, if someone were to give me a watch, I take that and I estimate how much that watch is and I give 10% of it. Just now, I don't know if I have to do that. I don't really know. I just do it. It's just I've always felt that strongly. The first 10% always goes to the Lord. And because of that, I've never had a day in my whole life that I've ever lacked. The Lord's just always taken care of me, always been that way because I believe that so strongly. But I remember one time that we uh, we had bought a house and we, uh, you know, there had been some years that had passed and then we sold the house when <laughs> we went to go sell the house, there was a lot of money that we had increase between, you know, here and there. And I thought, man, that's a big increase. And then I thought of tithe. I thought, uh-oh. I still believe in tithing? (laughs) That was was a big increase. And then I remember started thinking all the deductions, you know, like what we put into the house and all the years and all the this and that and all this. And, I mean, I deducted it down to where the tithe we just owed God just is almost like owed. Like we almost owed God just this little bitty. And I remember bringing it to God and saying, God, sorry about the tithe. It's not really that much. And the Lord spoke to me and said, "Uh, uh, all your increase. And, uh, and, and I knew there was a check in my own heart. You know what it was? It was a test inside of me. Here I am, a pastor. Here I am, preaching it, saying it. But when it comes down to me, God's given me an anointing to preach it. He had not given me an anointing to live it. <laughs> Somebody know what I mean? That's when the rubber meets the road, right? And now I wasn't talking about $100 or thousands of dollars. I was talking about thousands of dollars. And here I am deducting it all down, just like you do the, uh, the IRS. You know, you take deductions and those kinds of things. I was doing the deductions with God. So I remember coming back and asking the Lord, well, what do I do, Lord? Am I really supposed to? What do I do? And the Lord didn't say anything to me. I just had to come back down. And in my own heart, of course, there were some things that initially I had to make some investments to, to bring things to be in a livable condition and stuff. But, but I had to come back to the Lord and say, Lord, I know. That this is going to uh, cost me, my family, uh, thousands and thousands of dollars. But, uh, but it's not a cost because it's my increase. It's what the Lord, the Lord tested me on something that I stand up and proclaim. And you know what I did? I stood up and I said, if I have to fudge this way and I have to fudge this way, I'm always going to lean over on the side and say, well, God, what am I going to do? And I'm always going to uh, give on the side of, of give. So I gave extra. And uh, and was able to step out. We did. We sat and we prayed about it and we gave. And you know, because of that, I can't tell you the number of blessings that came back to us. And besides that, we look back at it and we go, I obeyed the Lord. I passed the test. Thank you, Lord. Now I can take a different test. Right? Because how many of you know if you don't pass the test, the Lord will just give it to you again? <laughs> He'll let you sit in your fifth grade seat, you know. You're you're a big old person in his fifth grade seat. Look like that elf, you know, when you're sitting in that big old, you know. And he'll just let you take the test again, right? So what do you do? You pass the test. There's a test. The wilderness doesn't only humble you, it tests you. And it usually tests you on something that you don't want to take that test. I'd rather take some easier tests. He'll test you on things that you don't want to be tested with. And then number three, last of all is this, is to teach you. The wilderness is to teach you because he's going to bring you into your promised land, but you have to know some things. And let me tell you, we love to swim in waters that we're familiar with. We love to talk about things we already know. We love to dwell on people we're comfortable with and things we're comfortable with. Um, but it's the things that we don't know that'll help us to grow. It's the things that we don't understand that'll help us to grow. It'll, things, uh, things that we haven't stepped into that'll really help us to get to the next level because everybody has a next level in here. Everybody has a next level. But it's the things you don't know that are gonna help you. You already know the things that you know. Like Abraham. In Genesis chapter 12, here's Abraham and God comes to Abraham and he told him, look at me for a second, three things. He said, Abraham... I want you to leave your country. What is that? It's what he's familiar with. He said, I want you to leave your family. What is that? It's who he felt comfortable being around, who he was accepted with. He said, and I want you to leave your father's house. What is that? It's his source of income, his source of reliance, his source of dependability, his provision. He said, I want you to leave what you're comfortable with, where you're comfortable with, I want you to leave your provision, leave all those things, and go into a land that I will show you. I'm not going to tell you where it is right now, but when you get there, you'll kind of know. Well, thanks a lot, God. Leave everything I have and go somewhere, and you're not even going to tell me where? Yeah, but you'll know when you get there. I'm I'm, going to wait (laughs) until you tell me what. But that's what he told Abraham. Why? Because that was Abraham's wilderness. I'm telling you because I had that in my life. I remember feeling really comfortable just about three or four years ago. And God saying, yeah, I want you to get up and go to uh, a place. And I picked Long Beach. I kind of grew up there. I said, it's by the beach. It's kind of urban. I kind of like Long Beach, you know. I mean, I bought books about Long Beach. I drove around Long Beach. I did prayer walks around Long Beach. Just like I did prayer walks here, but I got nothing. The Lord said, it ain't Long Beach, Right? And then I said, okay, we're going to be the rock. You know, I was part of the rock, part of the uh, founding team at the rock. And we had 18 congregations all around. I said, well, we'll go be the rock. Then I can be supported by the rock. I can be with the rock. I can be, you know, and all this. And the Lord said, nah, you're not going to call it the rock. I want you to go to Memphis where you've never visited before. I want you to call it Memphis Tabernacle, different church. And I want you to go where you have no influence. <laughs> that's, that's I'm going to put out a fleece. That's a bad idea, Lord. But I can tell you. You'll never know the joy of obeying God until you obey him. And it's usually with sacrifice. But I'll tell you right now, Tiffany and I look in in one another's eyes uh, all the time and say we're living a dream because we're obeying God. We followed the plan of the Lord. And and there's so many testimonies. The Lord sent so many people to be a part of our church, to be a part of, of, of the ministry here. The Lord's doing a work here in this city what a blessing listen paul the apostle paul the apostle was born into the right family paul the apostle was a Jew of Jews paul paul the apostle had all the education all the accolades he was very esteemed and you know what paul said in philippians chapter 3 he said not that i've already counted myself to have apprehended in other words i'm not there yet i haven't got there but one thing i do forgetting the things which are behind and pressing to the things which are ahead. Paul, that sounds like two things. He said, one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and pressing. Sounds like two things, but to Paul, it was one thing. Why? Because you can't forget what's behind until you press forward to what's ahead. You can't, God doesn't ever deliver you from something until he delivers you to something. And I think there's a lot of people who go back into bondage or who never enter their promised land because they've, they're fine with God delivering them from something, but you've, they've never accepted the two yet. They've never gone on to, no, this is what I'm supposed to. They've, they've left the behind, but they haven't left the forward, so they've got sunk back into the behind. And nobody wants to get sucked back into the behind, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. You got you have this one process. It's like throwing a football or throwing something. You pull back, you throw forward. You pull back, you throw. It's one motion. Paul said, one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, I press forward to what's ahead. And listen, that's a word for some of you today. That God wants to teach you to leave the past behind and to press forward to that which is ahead. Forgetting and reaching. Say the words, forgetting and reaching. Forgetting and reaching. So the purpose of humbling, testing, and teaching you is for one purpose at the end of the day. It's this, to teach you something, to make you know something. Well, what are you teaching me, God? Here's what it is. Listen, here's what it is. You don't even have to pray about it. Here's what it is. Here's what God is trying to teach you. Here's what God is trying to teach all of us. That your word, your life is sustained by the words of God. That's what he's trying to teach you. That your life is sustained by the words of God. That man shall not live by bread, by provision, by occupation, by career, by right decisions, by wrong decisions, by by social... Uh, decisions by who you know by what you do man lives by the words that come out of God's mouth that's what he's trying to teach you and until you learn that lesson you'll keep going through the wilderness that's what he's trying to teach you that man shall not live by bread alone you're not going through the wilderness because God doesn't have the provision you're not going through the wilderness because God doesn't have everything to get you through it no He's keeping you in the wilderness so that you'll be humbled and break down basically and understand this, that all I need is the word of the Lord. All I need is the voice of God. All I need is to hear what God is saying to me. To know that your life is sustained by the word of God. Simply stated, the wilderness is here to teach you that all you need is a word from God. God. It's not your diligence, not your connections, not your gifts, not your education, not your talents, not your personality. It's the word of the Lord. Once you've learned that all you need is the word of the Lord, then you realize you have everything you need. Someone says, how are you doing? I have everything I need. Why? Because I got a word from the Lord. I have, that's why we're fasting 21 days. To to tell ourselves all we need is to hear from God. I don't need anything. What's your plan? My plan's to hear the Lord. My plan's to catch the voice of the Lord. My plan's to keep my ears close to the mouth of God. That's my only plan. God's not limited by your capacity. God's not limited by your resources, what you have, what you've done right, what you've done wrong, your family history, your background. Your potential and your destiny comes from hearing the word of the Lord. Your potential and your destiny comes from hearing what God is saying to you. That's it. And your success yesterday isn't your success tomorrow. Listen, if you're not hearing God today, if you're not catching the word of the Lord today, that's really all that matters is, God, what are you saying to me? Hearing the word of the Lord is the most important thing in our lives. How do we turn the page? How do we get through the wilderness? You have to embrace the fact that I need to hear from God. And when you become so desperate, God's word doesn't become a checklist to you. Fasting doesn't become a checklist to you. Prayer doesn't become a It becomes your life source. It becomes what you need. It becomes if I don't get this, I don't have anything. But if I have this, I have everything. Let me read you this last verse in Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43 says, do not remember the former things. Do not remember the former things. Well, how do you forget? Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Don't bring the things of old into the equation. Behold, I will do a new thing. Say it with me. I will do a new thing. Who will do? That's what he wants you to know. The success in this next season is not what you'll do. It's what he'll do. It's not what you'll achieve. It's what he'll do. I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Notice, I will do a new thing, not you will do a new thing. So many times we're seeking God and saying, what do you want me to do? And God's saying, I want you to shut up. I want you to seek me. I want you to hear me. I want you to let me do a new thing. That's what I want you to do. You do nothing. But hear me and follow my voice. I will do a new thing, not you will do a new thing. The power is not in the fact of the new thing, but in the fact that he's going to do it. See, so much of the time we think, what I'm hearing is, listen to what's new. It's not, the power's not, the great thing is not in what's new. It's that in God's going to do it. God's going to do it. Come on, somebody just needs to say it over their life. God's going to do it. God's going to do a new thing. I'm not going to do it. God's going to do a new thing. It will. Say it over your own life. Come on, in faith right now, say, it shall spring forth. Say, this year, it shall spring forth. God's going to do a new thing. I will do a new thing. The other night I was watching a TV show, and there was this, this millionaire, and he was worth Three or four hundred million dollars, and he he got on there and he said, I'm a self-made millionaire. And he was telling someone, and I I honestly sat there and I started to get impressed. I thought, wow, guys, a self-made millionaire. And the Lord reminded me, this next season is not self-made. It's God-made. You are not a self-made success. Just like Paul, one thing I do, forgetting. Paul didn't lay down his crap, he laid down his accolades. Paul didn't lay down the bad, he laid down the good. He laid down the good pictures and the good memories and the good things. Paul pressed forward to the things of God, but he had to let go of the things of himself. Until you know this, until you know this one thing, that all you need is a word from the Lord, you're going to be limited to what he wants to do in your life. You're going to be limited to your own accomplishments. He humbled you so that he may make you to know that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Would you bow your heads? And I want to pray with you right now. Just bow your heads, every person in here. Bow your heads and ask the Lord right now, Lord, say this, humble me. In fact, say this, I humble myself. And say, God, test me. Oh, I know some of you don't want to pray that, but say, God, test my heart. God, test my heart. And then pray this, God, teach me. God, teach me that all I need is the word of the Lord in my life. Teach me. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.